Hey, I'm Andrew, and for the past six years, I've been one of the pastors here at the Mount. And in this season of transition, I didn't think the transition was going to come to me. Uh, Many of you guys know, um, if you don't know already, there was an email sent out to the whole church, a church-wide email, um, talking about a transition that's come to my family. Six years ago, I came to the Mount to help us with our next chapter in being one church in multiple locations. And that journey began meeting right over at Colonial Forge High School, and then it moved into a clubhouse at Leland Station, then to move down to our permanent site in Spotsylvania County for the Fredericksburg campus right there on another courthouse road. Uh, As we've been on this journey, we've seen God do some incredible things. In fact, being a part of the Mount has been one of the greatest joys of my life, man. God's really grown us here and really helped us to love people in in such greater ways than we ever thought was possible as we've been here for the past six years. About a couple years ago, God also started to stir in my heart, stir in my mind, and even started to feel like he was calling me to be a lead pastor. And my wife and I started to pray this prayer that maybe, that I don't think we told anyone else about it, but we simply started to pray, God, if you really want me to go and be a lead pastor somewhere, to lead a congregation, would you have that place reach out, and not knowing when it was going to be or where it was going to be? And then recently, through a connection that happened from 20 years ago, a good friend and mentor of mine, through lots of prayer and some wrestling and through some faith, We believe that God has answered that prayer, and I've been asked to become the lead pastor at Coastal Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia, and we really do believe that God has directed our next steps. This was not an easy decision. Um, In fact, I keep thinking about how, man, God's done so many things even just personally in our lives here. Our daughter, Micaiah, was baptized right here at the Mount. Many of you prayed and supported as we went on that journey to adopt that little girl from India and to bring her home. I feel comfortable here. In fact, even last week before I went to bring the message, I was sitting right there on the front row and I was having this, my own internal conversation during worship, just thinking, are you really going to step away from all of this? Are you really going to step away from the place where you're known and you feel comfortable? At the same time, I can almost hear God saying, you know what, sometimes you got to step away from where you're comfortable to step into what I'm calling you to do. And so I've also been reminded of this season because we, 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 we had made some plans in this next season. We were ready to go as I was taking on more leadership, more responsibility here at the Mount. We had even refinanced our home as well last year. We were ready to go for this next season to see what God had for us. But as we were making plans we saw that God had something a little bit different. In fact, I've been reminded of this season in in this verse that comes out of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, where it says, look, in their hearts, human makes their plans, but it is the Lord that establishes their steps. So even though we had these plans, as we've been leaning into where we feel like God's been calling us, we believe he has indeed established our next step. In fact, uh, this Sunday will actually be my my last message I'm bringing to you here at the Mount. And then next Sunday on August 15th down to Fredericksburg campus, we're going to have kind of a celebration and the elders are going to pray our family out as we step into this next chapter. 
I'm also really excited to announce as well, uh, many of you here at Stafford probably don't know him, but for the past year and a half, almost two years, Pastor Caleb Epperson has been our associate campus pastor down at the Fredericksburg campus, and he has graciously accepted um, the role to step into the campus pastor down at the Fredericksburg campus. In fact, here's a picture of Pastor Caleb and his wife, Julie, and that's their daughter, Isla. And they are actually just found out they're expecting their next child, a brand new baby girl coming as well. And I don't know if I was supposed to say that out loud, but there's his gender reveal right there. (laughs) Man, we, we really do believe that the best still is yet to come for the mount. You know, all the words I was saying about Pastor Todd's transition, I feel like have been coming back to slap me in the face. And I've been saying, look, when when God is in a transition, it is not a loss for the church. It is a win for the kingdom, which means it will be a win for the mount. Church, your best days are still in front of it. And God's doing some shuffling right now in his kingdom, but I know he's preparing for this great harvest. So just like we said last week, get ready. Take the keys. Be a part of what God is doing. He is going to build his church. In fact, I really want, there's a longer story in how this again began with a friend and mentor who I've known now for 20 years. If you want to hear that, I can tell you later, but I really want to get into this passage today, bringing my last sermon to you on how God still wants to build his church and what he wants to build in us today. So I'm going to take another moment and pray, and then we're going to continue on in the next part of our series. Father God, I just want to again just thank you, God, and praise you for who you are. God, thank you for the reminder in that song that you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the God who provides. God, you have provided. You will provide. God, you are providing right now. And it's so good to know, Lord, that when we are following your ways, following your will, God, that is the best place to be. And I know, Lord, even in this season of transition, we can make all these plans with the best intentions. God, it's so good to do that. But it's good to know, Lord, when you're leading the way, even as we make our plans, you establish our steps. And God, whether it is on the mountaintop where we can see everything so clearly and so good. God, whether we find ourselves right now in the valley, God, and we don't know what's coming next, to know, Lord, that when we lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways, God, we submit to you, to know you are going to direct those steps, to know you are going to make our path straight. God, we know that is the best place to be. God, I pray that you would provide for the mount. God, I pray that right now, Lord, that even as that next senior pastor is out there somewhere, I pray you are stirring in their heart. God, I pray that he's even beginning to look toward Virginia. God, I pray that you would bring that right person who is passionate about you, passionate about people. God, I pray you bring the right person here in your timing. God, even sometimes when, you, when your timing doesn't make any sense to us, God, it's so good to know that when we're in your timing, that again, Lord, that is the best place to be. God, I even pray for the person who stepped in here today or was watching online, and, and, and maybe they just came here, they had some plans. Uh, maybe they came here because someone had been bugging them to come. Maybe they just clicked on the link and planned to check it out. 
God, I pray that even today, even though they had some plans, that you would establish their steps. And they will come to know the incredible grace of the Savior. How much you love them. How much you care about them. How much forgiveness is found in you. God, sometimes we don't understand everything that happens, but it's good to know you always. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice. Help us, Lord, to follow you. God, we trust you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in part two of our series called Build Your Church. Notice that this series isn't called Build My Church. It's called Build Your Church. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, he said, look, I'm going to build my church and not even the gates of hell will be able to stop it. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, look, if you build your life on these words of mine, it'll be like the person who built their house upon the rock. So with this series, we want to declare with our lives and with our hearts, God, build your church. Because how many of you also know that the church isn't the brick and mortar and metal places that we go to on Sunday mornings? If you have a relationship with Jesus, You are the church. What God is building is you. And he wants to build a foundation of faith in you and in your family and in your future that no wave of culture can throw it off. He wants to build a church wrapped up in prayer and community and authenticity and built on his promises that can access his power. He wants to build you even in a season like this. In fact, the title of today's message is called The Blessed Church. Can I tell you something? God wants to bless you. Even though sometimes it doesn't feel that way, even sometimes when we experience the brokenness that's either in our world happening around us, or even sometimes when we feel the brokenness happening even on the inside that nobody else knows about. God wants to bless you. But have you ever noticed that the word blessing is oftentimes thrown around about so many different things? In fact, right now, if you go on Instagram and you just do a search for that hashtag blessed, you're going to find 140 million posts with that tag on it, hashtag blessed. It's like people just throw it out for any reason whatsoever. It's like, hey, I I just got a brand new cat, hashtag blessed. (laughs) I just got a brand new car, hashtag a blessed. I'm eating pancakes right now, (laughs) hashtag I'm blessed. But is that really the type of blessing that God wants to pour into our lives? Now, There's nothing wrong with looking at even the the small things, those good things that God does bring into your life and praising him for it and saying, look, God has blessed me even in these little things. In fact, I really do believe that God is honored when we thank him for even the smallest good things that he brings across our way and he brings into our lives. But sometimes... The blessings that God wants to bring in, our, bring in our life, and he does want to bless us, it isn't in the way that we think. His blessing doesn't always look like that promotion that we got. 
His blessing doesn't always look like getting a close parking space at Costco. Sometimes his blessings look way different than we think. In fact, God is actually more concerned with blessing you internally with his grace than externally with things. Today we're going to be looking at the next part of the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to see all these blessings that Jesus is teaching this crowd that's around him, but also teaching his disciples that are leaning into his words. He's going to go through all these blessings that are oftentimes called the Beatitudes. In fact, I've heard some people call this the B-attitudes because this is the way that God wants us to be. These are the things that he wants to build in us. He wants to build us these attitudes, these characters of blessing that, again, no matter what comes across our way, we will be built on a firm foundation of his blessing, of his grace right here inside of our hearts. So today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to read through all the the Beatitudes, these blessings that Jesus gives. And church, literally, with this passage, we can spend weeks on weeks just going through these verses. But today I'm going to read through the Beatitudes, and then I just want to highlight four blessings that God wants to build in us in this season. So Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 3, listen to what Jesus says. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets way before you, in the same way they're going to persecute you. Hey, there are four blessings I believe that God wants to build in us. And the first blessing is the blessing of overcoming hurt. The blessing of overcoming hurt. Again, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be. They will be comforted. Before we can begin to overcome hurt, we have to acknowledge that there's actually been a hurt that has taken place in our lives. You know, sometimes right now in our culture, culture is actually teaching us to breeze past hurt and pain like never before. I mean, people show news stories and just glaze over tragedies as if it was just another weather report. Sometimes I find myself just scrolling through the news app, just breezing over these tragedies and the pain that's happening in the world, just breezing right over it. Man, as the people of God, we should never become so numb to the pain and hurt of other people that we just breeze through it and it becomes nothing to us. In fact, I really believe that one of the prayers that the followers of Jesus should pray all the time is, God, break our hearts for what it is 
that breaks yours. You know, scholars in this passage in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, when Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, they've often debated what is Jesus teaching this crowd and his disciples to mourn? Uh, is, is Jesus saying, look, you need to be able to, to, to mourn the loss of people that you care about? Are you, is he saying that you need to mourn when there's tragedy that happens somewhere in the world or even within your own life? Should you mourn when you're broken by your own sin or the things that have been done to you? Scholars have been debating that, but the answer is all of the above. God wants us to know that when we experience tragedy or pain or suffering or loss, that it is okay to grieve. It is okay to mourn. In fact, sometimes depending on the culture that you were brought up in, sometimes depending on uh, where you're from, your own family, or sometimes really even when it comes to men themselves, a lot of times you were brought up with this idea that when you are hurt or you experience pain or loss or suffering, you bury that down deep. You don't deal with it. You suck it up and get tough. You put it on the back burner for one day later on. And if you were taught that way, I just want to say that I'm sorry. Because whoever taught you that was actually robbing you of a blessing of God. Jesus said, look, blessed are those who mourn, who grieve well, who do these things. And God will bring in his comfort. There's something about when you actually engage in the pain and the loss and let God help you process it, that he will bring in that comfort that we all need. And you know, it's okay to not be okay, but it is not okay to stay that way. And God wants you to know today from this passage that one of the things he wants to build in you is this blessing that you can overcome the hurt. But one of the first things you need to do is to acknowledge that that hurt actually happened. You know, sometimes when I'm counseling people or meeting with people and they've been through a season of pain or loss, I encourage them to take some of these steps that you'll see up here on the screen. And this is how you mourn well. And I don't like to necessarily say, you know, it's linear, like you do these things and uh, you're going to overcome it. But think of these as all different pieces that come at different times for you to be able to engage with mourning so God can bring in this comfort. And so one of the things that you can do to mourn well is to cry. And again, maybe you were brought up in a household where you looked at people who looked at crying as weakness. But when you've gone through pain and loss or suffering... It is so good just to let the tears come. One of the things that you can do to mourn well is to laugh. Before coming here, one of the most tragic situations I ever counseled a family in was when a family had their two or three-year-old son, and he was actually hit by a bus and he died. And I'll never forget sitting down with that family and them asking the question, is it is it, is it okay? We, we feel so guilty when we think about all the joyous moments that our son brought us. We feel so guilty even thinking about those things. And I said, look, it is okay to laugh and to remember those joyful times, to remember all the joy that he brought you. And even as you laugh and you tell those stories that brought joy to your heart and the tears come, God blesses you. He brings in his comfort. It is okay to vent 
It is okay to at times scream at the top of your lungs saying, God, I don't know why this happened. I don't know why I had to go through what I'm going through. I don't know why I had to endure this. It is okay to vent. It is okay to pray. It is okay when you've experienced pain or loss to take time and to pray to your heavenly father like you never have before. It is okay to read his word, to lean into his word. In fact, oftentimes when you do it, he brings verses like this in Matthew chapter 4, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted, to remind you, look, he wants to bring in his comfort. Or Psalm 34, where David wrote, look, God is close to the brokenhearted. In fact, he wants to bind up the brokenhearted. And it's a reminder that even in your pain, he wants to bring healing to you to help you overcome the hurt. It is okay to worship. In fact, I really believe that sitting here in this room or maybe even watching online, there are some people today who, as we were singing these songs this morning, you couldn't even open your mouth and worship the Lord because there is a pain or a hurt or a season of suffering you're going through, and you could not even open your mouth because you knew the place that it would take you to. In fact, I even want to challenge you before this service is over today. At the end, we're going to sing one more song called Run to the Father. I want to challenge you that this would be the first time even that you open your mouth to worship the Lord. And yes, the tears are going to come. But blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It is okay to talk to someone. In fact, right now at this church, there are still eight different pastors who would love to be able to walk alongside you as you're going through this season of pain or suffering or loss. There are eight different pastors who would like to walk alongside you. Not only that, we have all these small groups, these life groups that are all about doing life together. In fact, for the six years I've been here at the Mount, I've always been a part of a life group. And being able to share the struggles and the challenges and even the pain of loss with them. Being able to share that, man, God has used that as we've mourned to bring in comfort to our lives. Right now, this church partners with about 10 different professional counselors who we would love to be able to connect you with to help you begin to move over that, that hurt or that pain or that suffering that either you've been through or that you're going through right now. And God wants to bring in his comfort to you because blessed are those who mourn. Another thing that God wants to build in us, another blessing that he wants to build in us is the blessing of a confident humility. The blessing of a confident humility. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5 says, Look, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Again, in our world right now, it's like they're trying to build in all of us this cancel culture that says, Look, if, if you disagree with me, uh, if, if you think something different, I'm done with you. I have nothing to do, I won't have anything to do with you. It's like the world right now is trying to build in us this idea look, you're right, and only you are right. Everyone else is wrong, you're right. And then if anything has gone wrong in your life, you don't need to accept responsibility for that. It's everyone else's fault. It's like the world right now is trying to build these things in us, but you want to know something? The world tries to build pride in us, but Christ wants to build humility in us. In fact, something so powerful happens when we decide to humble ourselves before God. 
and to trust him and to know him, to not lean into pride, but instead move toward humility. You know, the word meek there, some people have kind of brought the fact that meek rhymes with weak. And we think that meekness is weakness. We think that humility is a lack of confidence, that humility is a lack of strength. But again, it is the opposite when it comes to the kingdom of God. In fact, author and pastor Dr. Duran Gray puts it this way. He says, look, God's grace has a humbling power that will redirect your life. Humility is not weakness. In fact, we become stronger because of our confidence in God. Not ourselves. Instead of having a self-confidence, he says we have a God-fidence, this confidence in God. It's sort of the same thing that the Apostle Peter would write about in 1 Peter chapter 5, where he says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud. In fact, right now, if pride has been leading your life and if it's crept up in your life, you may not even realize it, but you are welcoming opposition from God himself. But good news, it's true that God opposes the proud, but the second half of that verse says, but he shows favor. He shows blessing to the humble. So humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your worry, all your fear, all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. There is such great strength when we decide to humble ourselves in Christ. And I I know we all at some point, all of us battle pride on some level. In fact, I know, church, pride tries to creep up in my life. Uh, There are times when I start to hear my wife talk about some of the things that she wants to do or uh, she's sharing something with me and I think, you don't know anything. I know everything. There's sometimes I think, you know, when my kids are telling me things, I start to say they don't know anything, which is probably more true. Um, But I start to think, you know what, like I need to listen to them. And as, as, as I try to think sometimes when I know more than everyone else, when I try to think sometimes that I know best, sometimes even more than God. I can feel God humbling me, reminding me, look, you know what? You don't know everything, mister. You need to humble yourself once again before me. In fact, I think there's three questions that maybe we can ask ourselves to see if pride is trying to creep up into our lives. Uh, The first question is, are you valuing others more than yourself? Are you valuing others more than yourself? Uh, In Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul wrote, he said, look, uh, when you humble yourself, you value others more than yourself, not looking to your own interests. In other words, you don't make it all about you, but you're looking toward the interests of others. Second question is, are you treating others the way that you want to be treated? Come on, kids who are sitting in the room. Are you even treating your siblings in the way that you want to be treated? Are you treating your brother or your sister in a way that you want, you want to be dealt with, giving them the same responses that you would actually want to get? And then are you forgiving others in the same way that Christ has forgiven you? Man, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it talks about how we need to love one another and we need to forgive one another in the same way that Christ Jesus has forgiven us. Have you forgotten how good his grace was? 
how strong his forgiveness was, not just back then when you gave your life to him, but even right now, have you forgotten how much you have been forgiven? Are you showing that same forgiveness to others, even the people who are in your home? Come on, husbands, are you showing that same forgiveness to your wife and your kids? And if we answer no to all of these questions, Pride might be raising up and trying to have a heyday in our lives. Again, we don't want the opposition of God. We want to experience his blessing. Third thing that God wants to build in us, third blessing he wants to build in us is a blessing of a passionate hunger. The blessing of a passionate hunger. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Church, what are you hungry for right now? I'm not talking about maybe five guys after lunch. I'm not talking about Chick-fil-A, getting some chicken tenders or some chicken nuggets or some of those waffle fries or maybe one of those milkshakes from them or that parfait that they just got that they have or that macaroni and cheese, which is heavenly beyond anything else on this planet. And maybe you're thinking about it right now, but Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays, so you can't get it anyway. (laughs) But what are you hungry for right now in life? And is it satisfying you? If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you may have had a Christian drop this line on you that you can try to fill your life with all these things, more possessions, more money, uh, more drugs, more alcohol, more relationships, and you can try to fill this void in your heart with all these things, but they're only going to end up leaving you feeling more and more empty. And you may have heard a follower of Jesus say, look, there's only one thing that can satisfy, and that's Christ. But haven't you found that to be true? And what Jesus is reminding this crowd around him and his disciples as they're leading him, he says, look, blessed are those who hunger and who thirst after the things of God. Because when you hunger and thirst after the things of God, you will find that satisfaction you've been looking for. In fact, God will fill you with his blessing. You know, I I love the fact that in this church last week that God moved in this place. And to think on a Sunday morning that over 200 people who weren't serving anywhere signed up to volunteer here at the Mount across every single campus. That does not happen in probably any church in America. In fact, I love the fact that later on that evening at the volunteer kickoff, we were in the Next Steps room right over here on the Stafford campus, and we were in the room with some other volunteers that had signed up that night to be a part of what God's doing here. And Scott Schneiderman, who actually leads our Next Steps here at the Stafford campus, you know, we have it at Fredericksburg and El Monte. He leads the one right here at the Stafford campus. And as he's looking out at the 30 or 40 other volunteers that signed up that night, he said, look, this type of stuff doesn't happen in a pastoral transition. In fact, most people will either step back or step away. But to have over 200 people in one day sign up to say, you know what, we are going to take the keys to the kingdom. We want to be a part of what God's doing here. He said, look, this is a move of God. This is God doing this. And see, church, like what that means, what that shows me is that right now you are hungry and you are thirsty for what God wants. It is so rare that 
just over the course of the past couple of weeks, almost 400 backpacks were collected, and they were, being, they were given to students um, in Stafford County and Spotsylvania County, and we've given away over $10,000 of school supplies to help kids who are in need. That shows me, again, that right now you are hungry and thirsty for the things of God. Don't lose that. Don't stop hungering and thirsting for his righteousness. Because that is what is going to fill you. Later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, look, seek first. Not second, not third, not after you've done everything else that you want to do. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you as well. Man, this be attitude should be what drives us. In fact, one of the questions that we often ask here at the Mount is, is we ask the question, is Jesus first in your life right now? Is he number one? Remember, he doesn't want this co-pilot seat. He wants that number one seat, that number one seat of authority in your life. Is he first? Are you hungering and thirsting after Christ? Last thing that he wants to build in us, last bit of blessing he wants to build in us, is he wants to give us a blessing of a heart of hope. The blessing of a heart of hope. Listen to this last beatitude again in the series of beatitudes. He said in verse 11, he says, look, blessed are you when people insult you. Um, Just by show of hands, and if you're watching online, maybe give me a little emoji hand wave, but how many people just in the last year have been insulted? Raise your hand up. You've been insulted in some way. You've been insulted I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I thought once I was done with elementary school, um, maybe once I was done with middle school, maybe once I was done with high school, that people who were making fun of me or insulting me, like those days were going to be over. But how many of you know that that still happens today? And pretty much as long as there's still sin in the world, we're going to have people who insult us, who bully us who make fun of us, you're going to have people who do bring insulting into your life. And Jesus is trying to say, look, this is going to happen. He says, look, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. But the key is, he says, because of me. So even though there will be insulting, persecution, People saying things falsely about you. He says, even in that, because of me, because you know me, I'm still going to bring in my blessing into your life. In fact, this is a reminder that when we know who Jesus is, we're going to know who we are. And something so powerful happens when we have our very identity rooted in Christ that even if everyone else on this planet tries to tear us down because we have such a firm foundation in him, because we know what he says about us, because we know who he is, man, we can rest in him. We have a heart that's filled with the blessing of hope because we know Jesus. You know, I, I think a couple of years ago, our kid ministry team here in the Mount actually sent all the kids home with this poster right here that, had, that simply says, who you say that I am. And on this poster right here, it actually has, on this poster right here, it actually has all these statements right here on the left 
that come out of all these verses from out of these passages of Scripture. And when they sent this out a couple of years ago, um, I, my oldest daughter, Micaiah, took it and hung it up in her room. And then our oldest son, Noah, he took it and he hung it up on his school desk or next to his school desk in the schoolroom in our house. And right now in our house, in the basement in our house, uh, the schoolroom is right here. And then right next to that, there's this unfinished part of the basement where we have some workout equipment. Now, I know you look at me and say, Andrew, you probably never need to work out. Like, you're in such great shape. Like, maybe like once a year you might do that. But I work out. I try to work out often, okay? And so I, I go to the unfinished part of the basement and I do my workout. And then so many times when I'm walking back out of there, this poster catches my eye. And I just start reading through the list of who God says that I am. And there's something about living in a world that is going to try to insult you or tear you down, but then being reminded of who Jesus says that you are. There's something about having your identity, knowing who he is, that again, even if everyone else says something different, man, your heart can rest assured in Christ. Today, church, for my last sermon here at the Mount, I just want to take a moment and remind you who you are. I, don't want, I want to remind you what it is that Jesus says about you. So I want everyone to stand, everyone to stand, I'm going to stand up in this room. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read some of the verses from that list that our kids, kids at the Mount team sent out a couple years ago. I'm going to read the verse. Then after I read the verse, you're going to see a phrase that comes up in all caps. And I want you to say that phrase out loud, okay? So the first one is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4 where it says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. It doesn't sound like you believe it, okay? (laughs) This is what God says about you. This is what the creator of the universe who made you, who chooses you, who loves you. This is the one who is willing to lay down his life for you. This is what, no matter what anybody else has said about you, this is what he believes about you. So I'm going to read the verse one more time, and I want you to say it like you believe it. Like this is who you are. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. That's right, you are. Even if the world rejects you. Jesus has chosen you. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Even when the world tries to break you, God's building something new in you. He's giving you grace upon grace. No matter what your past was, he is building something new in you. You are a new creation. Matthew chapter 2, or Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Even if people have said that you were a mistake. Even if people have said that you're not pretty enough, strong enough, good enough, he says that you are a masterpiece, a handcrafted original by God, 
created on purpose, for a purpose, to do the good things that he planned for you long ago. You are a masterpiece. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, where it says that in him we have redemption through his blood, not because of anything that we've done, but we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. You are not your past. You are not your sin. You are not your shame. You have been forgiven. That's who you are. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. That's right, you are. In him, the wholeness, the fullness of life is found. And even though you still may experience the brokenness in this world or the brokenness over our own sin, in Jesus, you are made complete. In Jesus, you can be fulfilled. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. You are not a victim. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. You are not what was done to you. You are not what culture tries to put on you. You have victory in Christ. In fact, you are an overcomer because of what Jesus has done. You are not a victim. You have victory in Christ. That is who you are. Church, God wants to bless you, but will you take a step? I'm going to ask our prayer team to go in and just come down front down here. We're going to sing this one more song, Run to the Father. And maybe today you're ready to give your life to this Christ who wants to bless you, who died on the cross for you, but then rose again bodily from the dead so you could have this relationship with him. Maybe it's time for you to give your life to Christ. You're going to be down here. We would love to be able to pray for you. Maybe right now there's something in your life that you've never mourned, you never grieved. Someone told you to pack that back down deep. Don't deal with it. But man, God wants to say, look, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. We would love to be able to pray for you. Or maybe today you just simply need prayer. You just need to know, look, this, these blessings of God, he really does want to pour in your life. Man, would you come down front as we sing this song? Would you come down front and run to the arms of the Father? Man, I love you, church. Let's sing and let's respond.